Hey everybody, I'm Phil from Shop Notes Magazine along with John and Logan. It's the Shop Notes Podcast. Thanks for joining us. On today's episode, we're going to reveal the winners of the Red Cedar Challenge. Uh, We'll also get an update on Logan's shop and other news and notes from around the Woodsmith, Shop Notes, and popular woodworking world. Thanks for listening. Also want to say thank you to Tightbond. You want a glue that you can trust, and fortunately, Tightbond has the glue you need to get the job done with confidence. From interior glues with strong initial tack and short clamp time, to exterior glues with exceptional strength and water resistance, look to Tightbond, the right glue for your next project. For more information, visit tightbond.com. Now, last time, uh, we were talking about uh, finishes, some listener comments, outdoor projects, season 17, all that kind of stuff. Uh, a couple of comments from the last episode. Carl Gustafson, 213, writes, uh, I look forward to John's com- comments. He's legit. Also, almost, almost too legit. Yeah. Also, Phil won't say so, but what he really goes to the State Fair for are the Intarsia projects. Hmm. Daggles without saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are plenty of them, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bob Reynolds says, great show, guys. My wife and I always go to the fair on the first Friday. Love the jokes, John. That's my buddy, Bobby. There you go. (laughs) Two-finger Bobby. Well, three-finger Bobby now. (laughs) Regarding the chair rail shelf idea, how about instead a single French cleat running the perimeter of the shop? You can have a place to hang tool racks that can be located where needed and back to the main cleat wall most of the time. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my Tube Stuff 6-9 writes, look forward to each new podcast. Tell Logan when he talks to stop trailing his voice sound to where you can't hear him. I can always hear John and Phil. What do you mean? So there you go. <laughs> super super cool just a reminder if you have any questions comments or smart remarks you can always leave them on our YouTube channel or send them as an email to woodsmith at woodsmith.com alright quick question before we get started okay favorite movie candy go M&M's or peanut M&M's Okay. Mm-hmm. They got a thin candy shell, so they're not going to melt, melt their hand. Melt. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 Also, maybe licorice. I don't know. That goes good oh, with popcorn. Yuck. No. Not black licorice. Oh, okay. Red licorice. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Just your standard Twizzler. Yeah. Yeah. Or the nibs, the little, the little this chunk one. Yeah. Mike and Ike. Mike and Ike's man, I have rediscovered a love of these bad boys recently. Oh boy, my kids got a box of them for their birthday. Nine more. Okay. Now, are we talking like in a movie theater movie or like at home yeah. movies? Mm. Movie theater. 
Yeah, because see, when I go to a movie theater, it's usually popcorn. I usually don't get candy. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. You know, there was like milk duds. I kind of like milk duds. Yeah. If you were going to say raisinets, I swear. <laughs> catch hands. Because <laughs> that's not candy. That's like, I don't know. Lies, because you think they're... Lies. Yep. I don't know, man. You give me a good oatmeal raisin cookie. Oh, that's my favorite. I mean, if you know it's got raisins in it going in, but if you pick it up thinking it's a chocolate chip cookie, then right. expectations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, now for a while, especially when we were all in the office, periodically people would bring in bagels for celebrating birthdays and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And invariably... There are chocolate chip bagels in there, but are they chocolate chip bagels? Mm-hmm. Do you even try? Right. Or oh yeah, they can they can disguise as blueberry sometimes. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think it's a blueberry bagel. Although if you find out that it's blueberry, like, is that as bad as being disappointed that it wasn't chocolate? Right. Or do you just have a do you just have intarsia level hatred for for raisins in general? It's just raisins. Okay. Oh. I don't know. I don't know. I think I, I had too many I, of those. My, hand, my little... hands feel yeah. My hands feel sticky just thinking about them. Yeah. <laughs> little sticky I, I raisin just, hands. I look. I think back to the little red boxes of of raisins as a kid. I think maybe I had too many of those. Right. Yeah, that was a good lunch bag treat. Or. Um, usually ended up in Halloween candy. Yep. It was like, oh, raisins. <laughs> That's why you don't trick or treat in Wisconsin. All you get is cheese curds and raisins. <laughs> <laughs> if it was cheese an adult, curds. It sounds fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. The thing about raisins and cheese curds is they get you coming and going. <laughs> <laughs> it's called well-balanced, I yeah. think, is what you're looking yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah, you were at the AWFS fair last week. I was. Uh, any? How would you rate that fair? Because you've been to a few of them now in a row. Um, this one was much less heavily attended than they have been in the past, at least in my opinion. And okay. talking to everybody there, there just wasn't as many people. Usually, you have to like turn sideways to get through the aisle. Not so uh, this one. Um, there were some cool things. Now, I think we've said this before. The AWFS and IWF fairs are not hobbyist fairs. But, no, they're definitely industrial shows, right? I mean, like, I had gotten um, stopped a couple times to have pictures taken of people that, you know, love the show and stuff. Like, So there's definitely those types of people that go that really are just, like, diehard hobbyists. But you know, there, were, there were a couple of new things for the hobbyist that I thought were interesting. Um, Powermatic released their armor glide coating on their table saws, jointers, and band saws. So it's a black Teflon coating on their saws. Um, very nice feeling. Um, looks really nice. Um, Can you Harvey, cook on it, though? Uh, probably, but the FDA does not tell you you can. They don't want you okay. to you know, hurt the 
cookware industry by cooking right. on your table saw. <laughs> um, uh, but the other thing that was released was um, Harvey Industries, owners of Bridge City, they released a new table saw fence. So the standard like replacement fence for the last couple decades has been the Beesmeyer style fence, kind of the T fence, pretty standard on most saws now. Um, Harvey has released a dual rail fence system. So the Beesmeyer style only has a, a fence rail on the front. Right. The Harvey one is almost like it's not dovetailed, but it's almost like a dovetailed fence that's held on the front and the back. So there's zero deflection on it. Cause it doesn't matter how nice a fence you have when you lock it down, you can still push the tail end a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. It, it's, it's like, it weighs like 80 pounds. The fence itself weighs like 80 pounds, but it slides on ball bearings. It's super smooth, super nice. Um, and it was really interesting to learn a little bit more about Harvey as a company because they are a Chinese firm, which most people think if it's Chinese, it's crap. No, the United States asks for a cheap price. So stuff coming out of China is cheap and you're paying for the price, right? I mean, that's what it is. China will make stuff as nice as you want. You just have to be willing to pay for it. So meeting Jack Zhu, the owner of, of Harvey, was really cool. He's like, you know, he's like, I started this company after making, he owned the factory that made tools for almost every big manufacturer. And he's like, they kept asking me for a cheaper product. And I kept thinking, the customer doesn't want a cheaper product. Like, what's happening to the customer? Like, nobody's caring about the customer's quality of tool they're getting. So that's when he started Harvey. So it was really cool listening to him. And I I have not used any of their, I've used their Bridge City tools, but not any of the Harvey stuff. The quality of it all looks fantastic. So I'd be interested to mess around with one or hear from somebody that has one um, and and see what people say because it was, it was pretty cool. Um, so... Um, from a consumer standpoint, like a hobbyist standpoint, Shaper released their new Shaper Trace, which is kind of cool. So the Shaper, the handheld CNC that often sponsors this show, um, they released a product. They actually released it on Kickstarter because it's not only for the Shaper crowd, um, it is also for anybody that ha- that needs to turn a drawing into a digital file. Basically, it's like a picture frame that has dots around it. And whatever you draw on a piece of paper, you put this picture frame over the front, take a picture with your phone, and it digitizes whatever you drew. Oh. So it's very hmm. cool. So I did a big Popwood Plus logo on it, and it digitized it immediately. I mean, it was it's super cool. And there's some really neat, like functionalities to smooth out the shape and refine it and break it apart and stuff. Now it's not as powerful as like a good operator in like illustrator, but that's not what it's for. It's for like people like me that I know what I want. I don't have to make something super precise. I can draw it on a piece of eight and a half by 11 paper, put this frame over top, take a picture and I get that digitally immediately. Um, so it's not it's not just a photo. It it turns it into a tool path, um, which is very cool. So they released that the Shaper booth at every one of these shows. The Shaper booth is always the hopping place to be. Um, so um, Panto Router released a couple of new accessories for their 
tool. Um, so I'm looking forward to those. I'm going to have to do some video on those for them. Um, some air-powered clamps, which are really nice. Uh, and a couple of other um, quality of life type things for the Panto router. Um, yeah, that, that was pretty much it. Um, nothing super big and crazy. A lot of a lot of people that we've seen at the shows in the past were not there just because the booth cost and the cost to send everybody there doesn't make sense for their market, which is us, our the hobbyist. Um, you know, of, of course, Soft Stop was there. Um, they're always there. Um, yeah. But yeah, so nothing, nothing super, super crazy. The I will say I think the table saw fence was one of the coolest things. I saw. I do like the armor glide off of Powermatic. That's a very interesting product, and it's extremely hard to get Teflon to stick to cast iron, which is why you don't see Teflon coated cast iron skillets because it's it's very hard to do. Um, somehow they've got they've got it. Um, so yeah, hmm. those three would be the big ones. So going back to the Harvey fence, uh, one yeah. of the things with the Beesmeyer fence is that on the exit side of the fence, it's not hooked down to anything, which usually isn't a problem. But if you're using like feather boards to push down on something, yeah. it can lift up. Is it so? Is that like hooked? It's it is. So it's it won't on lift both. up and correct. And it's and it's the European style high low fence. So oh, okay. if oh, you think okay. about our Powermatic fence or the Rikon mm -hmm. fence that you can lay down and stand up and stuff, mm -hmm. that's how it is. So it has an aluminum face on it that you can lay down or stand up. It is hooked down on both ends, and there's a micro-adjust knob. So I don't remember exactly what Toddy was telling me about it, but it's like one revolution of the micro-adjust knob is like five-thousandths of an inch. So there's no more of you know this thing to adjust the <laughs> fence. It's just doop. But that works yeah. so well. Yeah. Like, how I mean, do you know, like, what it? a 5,000 is, yeah, though? I know. I know. So, it was pretty cool. The My my biggest issue, honestly, with the Beastmeyer-style fence is that, and I've seen it on several saws, the saw stop that we have in the shop, the one closer to Steve's bench is the biggest issue. The sawdust gets packed in between the viewing glass and the... Mm. And the thing, the oh, scale, yeah. and right. it just, it, it's worn off the numbers in some instances. It's like, huh, that's silly. So, yeah, it's pretty cool, though. And, I mean, the Harvey the Harvey tools look kind of nice. They, you know, kind of a futuristic, they're kind of like a Laguna, kind of a futuristic style look to them. Okay. Um, you know, I the only thing I have heard negatively about the Harvey stuff. I don't know if it, it was only one person that said they had a problem with it. Uh, Harvey has a TIN, it's a titanium nitride coating, um, which is like a non-stick. It's not Teflon, but it's like a Teflon. It, it gives it a gold color on the top. I've heard one guy said that that flaked off on him. And hmm. actually the gentleman that I had come in today to do a tour, he said he did get a table saw that had a little bit of a crown in the center um, and oh, really? it was something like five thousandths of an inch. Um, so it wasn't much. Um, and they told him it was within manufacturer specs, which I get. And to get a truly dead flat cast iron, you kind of have to either send it through a metal planer or a surface grinder. And that's, that's a pretty hefty expense. So, yeah. 
just one turn of the knob, and you can take that crown out by a thousandth right. of an inch. Yeah, just that's right. Just Beep. crank it down. Bloop it out. <laughs> so, and luckily for this Las Vegas show, it was a balmy, cool, uh, 117 to 127 degrees. I have the pictures to back that up. So right. Which is why, going back to John's comment, mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, take one of those Powermatic tools right out into mm-hmm. the parking lot. Yeah. And, Hibachi yeah. table saw. <laughs> yeah, do some, like, breakfast sausages on there. Yeah. or yeah. yeah. Now, 117 to make, 127. Make the dry heat comment. Yeah. I, well, I'm going to say, it's hot no matter how you say it. Yeah. However... Not trying to sound macho. It's I don't feel like it's as bad as it is when it's like ninety five here in Iowa because it is literally one percent humidity, mm-hmm. and like walking from, I mean it was a half a block walk from the hotel across the street into the convention center, so not super far. Um, in Iowa, I'd be drenched. I mean, I would be sweating immediately. Yeah, not there. It all dries. Like I'm sure you're sweating still, but you don't notice it because your shirt's not wet. Like you're you're still dry. So as soon yeah. as you walk into the cool air of the convention center, you're like, oh, it's, yeah, I'm super comfortable still. So yeah, it's still hot. I'm not saying that. It is still hot. <laughs> it's a different kind of hot. It's a different kind of hot. Yeah. It's not like I feel nasty hot, though. Yeah. We had a day last week here in Iowa. It was 95. It was only 95, but it was like walking outside into soup. Yes. <laughs> like yes. Thick. 95 yep. degree soup. Yep. I mean, even today we had rain here in Iowa, and it's only, according to my computer here, 78 outside. But it was, it's sticky. It's sticky. It's Because it's sticky. one of those, it's that weird temperature where, like at home, it's almost not warm enough for, or, yeah, not warm enough for your AC to kick on. Yep. So all of that humidity just kind of oozes inside and yep. makes everything just kind of clammy and yeah yeah and it's it's funny i noticed because i was shooting photos down there with um jimmy clues the day or two before the studio or the the convention started and you could tell he would turn on a it's a weird like inverse relationship like generally like air conditioning dries out the air it makes it feel cooler but when it's yeah. that hot, adding a little humidity to the air helps. Um, oh, yeah. So, like, going, like, they have swamp coolers down there. That's not something right. they have in Iowa. Um, yeah, and you wouldn't want that here. You would not want that. But, like, they have a little swamp cooler in their garage. And it's like, okay, turn the air conditioner on. It's like 87, 88 in the garage. Then you turn the swamp cooler on. It doesn't, it doesn't get any cooler necessarily, but the humidity goes up to, like, 20%. And then it's like, oh, it actually feels way nicer in here now. So it's just, it's odd. Odd, yeah. odd, odd. So, yeah. No, I see the swamp cooler, evaporative coolers advertised in different magazines, and it makes it sound like they're these miracle, mm. you know, kind of climate hacking sort of things. And it's like, there should be a warning label on those, like that if you live above a certain latitude Latitude (laughs) parallel like just don't buy this we're not even going to sell it to you you don't want it anyway well it's it's funny i guess um uh jimmy's wife mary was telling me that they just passed a law like within the last month in vegas 
that you can no longer sell industrial swamp coolers. Oh yeah. Because the water requirements on them. Oh yeah, yeah. So like Lake Mead super low, right. but something <clears throat> like the amount of water that's in Lake Mead, the amount of water leaving Lake Mead, only 2% of that goes to Las Vegas. The rest of it goes to California, which I did not know. Yeah. Fascinating. So. All right. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've always wondered about those shows because being in magazine land where we live for our work days, those two shows are hyped a lot. And I've always wondered about it because it feels like it has such an outsize uh, influence on woodworking, even though, like you've mentioned, they're not aimed at woodworkers even like the three of us are yeah. it's just not a about the only thing is is that it's an opportunity where to me it's like it's like the insiders club where everybody gets together to see each other and it's a family yeah. reunion it's a family reunion of people in the industry which is fine and that's yeah that's that is a large portion of it and that's why yeah that's why we've always went, we being myself and the advertising director for our magazines, because it's one of those, we see our clients. I mean, we see the, our advertisers, we see our industry partners there. Yeah. Most of them, most of them are not showing. And most of them are just walking around the show. Because, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, Sawstop is there, Pantoraz, there, Shaper. There are quite a few that have booths, but they're the bigger guys, you know, but like uh, Woodline Router Bits. You know, we saw Bill Thompson from Woodline there. He yeah. didn't have a booth because he, that's not what he's there for. Um, Woodpeckers, they don't have a booth, but we met up with Rich Hummel, you know? Um, so, yeah, most of them are just kind of there walking the show, kind of maybe scoping out the competition, maybe just seeing what the industry is doing. It's it's more of like an industry check. Like, where what are people doing? What are people releasing? Because most companies will wait until those shows to release something. Right. So, yeah. You know, um, what, it's always well, interesting to me that wood misers there too. They're always there. Hmm. So. Yeah. All right. That's cool. Next year in Atlanta. Ew, so humid. Right. <laughs> Maybe it'll be just no. as hot and humid. So. Oh. And that's one that Jack's like, Hey, let's walk to the show. I'm like, it's two miles. And I'm in a button-up <laughs> shirt. Like, two miles in a flip-flop and shorts is one thing. Two miles in jeans, right. dress shoes, and a button-up shirt. Mm-mm. Nope. This fat boy says no. Maybe you just got to bring your shirt from your Columbia trip, your Wayabara. That's true. Yes, my Wayabara. Bring that. Uh, yeah. There it was as hot and humid. <laughs> no boy, no. <laughs> All right, there you go. All right, and now I've seen you making uh, approximately six country miles of shiplap. Yes, six country squares, actually. Right, so it would be, uh, I mean, Chip and Joanna Gaines are really happy for you right now, so. <laughs> yes, they are. It's not because you though, so. Yeah, you have the Magnolia portion of your shop mm. well underway. Yeah. Yep. So how goes the... Yep the wainscoting uh it's getting there 
So I have, of my four walls, I have three walls completely done with the shiplap. My center divider wall that we've talked about that my table saw is going up against because we've decided on this podcast that it is okay to put your table saw up against the wall. Um, I drywalled that last week and textured and mud or mud and taped and textured and painted that this weekend. So I did the shiplap for that uh, last night. Um, I made it all yesterday, put it up last night. Um, so today I was making the trim for that. So because okay. I did, my bottom shiplap is three eighths of an inch thick. My wall around the perimeter is T one eleven up top. So the, the the height differential is a quarter of an inch. So when I make the the trim, the chair rail type trim that covers those, I have to rabbit the lower half of it to fit over top of the shiplap. If that makes sense, because yeah. it's a quarter inch proud um, on the center wall. I do not have to because I have three eighths inch drywall and three eighths inch shiplap all applied over seven sixteenths OSB. So I had to make a little bit of um, trim this afternoon when I was in the shop that does not have a rabbit in it. So that's ready to go up. Once that's done, I'm going to start moving some tools this weekend. Um, Okay. So I have, I, once that wall's done, I will be able to move my router table in there. The big crescent bandsaw can be moved in. I need my buddy Bobby to get over here with his skid loader. So, Bobby, I know you're listening. I won't need your help with the skid loader. We've got to figure out how to lay this bandsaw on its side <laughs> to get through the door. All and right. then my table saw can move over. So, then I will have quite a few of my tools set up um, in there, which will be really nice. Um, and I can actually move the I, I can move the lathe and the drum sander over there whenever I wanted. Um, I just haven't done it yet. And yeah. now it's now everything's sloppy after today's rain. So, yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. I keep saying thirty days. Thirty days is what I'm at. <laughs> I'm at a rolling thirty days. <laughs> but God. you'll have like a soft open then, so you'd be able to get some stuff in there. And- mm-hmm. Yes, I mean that's, I, you know, I had these big plans at my shop. My office is gonna be done. The bathroom is gonna be done. Like everything's gonna be done. I'm be like, all right, cool. Let's move everything in. Nope, it's get sections of the walls done so I can move some tools in. And then, you know what? The bathroom, the office, all that stuff's down the road. Get the tools <laughs> in there. The road. Yeah. Get the tools like how, in there. How far down the road? Like when you look oh, at like it immediately at, at like mile markers, is it just after or just before you finish doors and drawers for your wife's office? Oh, wow. You had to pull that out. Phil. <laughs> Just before that. It is just mm-hmm. before that. Just, okay. All right. I mean, that's why you have the shop, is so you can build I that know. stuff. I did go two-tone, and I know a lot of people, when they see pictures of it, are going to be like, why didn't you paint your shop white? Everyone always says, paint the paint walls white, white in your shop. Shit looks dirty after about <laughs> three days. That's why. Yeah, I will notice that that's in my shop, too, where the back part of my garage is drywall hand painted but it doesn't take long for Mm-mm. for dust to defy gravity and just stick to the walls and it's yeah. it's annoying yeah so i did i did a kind of a it's a blue gray it's called almost charcoal on the perimeter walls okay. it is a it's a gray but it leans very blue yeah um and then my divider wall i my wife kept telling me to paint it white i didn't want to paint it white I don't like white in the wood shop. So I did like a green blue. So okay. I got a two tone 
kind of thing going on. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. We'll just have to deal with it. Well, it is interesting to see how the wall color changed when we did the floor. Oh, yes. And it did. In there. And then once you started putting the the, um, wainscoting up, like that altered how it read. Yes. Too. Yes, absolutely. So, um, yeah. I think your dad's going to come out and take tour here in a week or two, isn't he? Yes. He's coming down for the state fair. So I wanted to... Wanted to see That's it. my milestone. I want I want my office and bathroom doors on before Jared comes through the shop. That's <laughs> <laughs> goals, life goals, life yep. goals, man. I mean, you got to start somewhere. Little incremental steps. Yeah, that's that's and that's kind of. I've been doing that with this shop, and I kind of want to like flip that into my projects I'm building, where it's like, hey, every night I go to bed and say, you know what? If I don't do anything tomorrow, I need to get X Y Z done on this project. Okay. And I feel like that is a better, like, even if it's just a little bit every day, yeah, it's better than taking a couple of days off and then trying to jump back onto it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Baby steps. Yeah. So it's one elephant. It's how you eat an elephant one bite at a time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Words to live by. Yep. Thank you to Tightbond. You want a glue that you can trust. And fortunately, Tightbond has the glue you need to get the job done with confidence. From interior glues with strong initial tack and short clamp time to exterior glues with exceptional strength and water resistance, look to Tightbond, the right glue for your next project. For more information, visit tightbond.com. Plus, it's kind of like it's kind of like my, you know, the old school water cooler break or the coffee break. It's like sending my computer, sending emails, working on whatever, shop notes, stuff. It's like, you know what? I got 15 minutes, I can go put up 10 feet of wall real quick. So yeah. go out there and staple it. And I, I know I've told you guys this. I don't know if I said it on the podcast. My One of my new favorite tools is my narrow crown stapler. I have been putting everything up with that. I bought two-inch staples for it. Oh. So I am shooting. I am putting three-quarter-inch alder trim up with two-inch staples, and it's phenomenal. It buries them a quarter-inch into that trim. Okay. So why staples and not just brads? Because the stapler, I feel like, holds a little bit better. Okay. I mean, it's like shooting two nails at once, right? And, and, this is completely my own thought, and I have nothing to back this up for. I could be just making this up. I feel like the stapler does not split stuff like a nailer does. Oh. Okay. Um, again, I have zero evidence of that. Yeah. Other than I have not split anything with it. So, and I feel like with like a what eighteen gauge nailer, I feel like yeah. I would be splitting stuff. Hmm. So or or I know we've all shot a eighteen gauge nail and then it goes it comes out the side. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I've done that either with the staple. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's fair. Yep. All right, John, what's on your plate? Oh, right now I am in kind of a circling mode. Much like you, I am uh, taking a a kid to college here soon. And unlike probably your daughter, uh, she's probably all planned out of all the stuff she needs to take and has some sort of idea where 
My son does not have any idea what he is bringing. <laughs> so I feel like I'm just kind of waiting for projects here. Like, am I going to need to build a loft ladder? Am I going to need to build a little, like, entertainment center rolling cart thing or microwave cart? or Right. So kind so of waiting, waiting on projects. Waiting for the bat signal yep. to go up. Waiting to, to get some sort of direction. Yeah. So. Uh, my daughter is three quarters to seven eighths entirely packed already. Mm-hmm. She has our living room like half filled with all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were building projects over the past year kind of in preparation right. for this. And yes. So, so. I. That's been nice. It'll be yeah. it'll be an interesting little transition here. So, yeah. Definitely. So, I feel like Phil's actually probably been working like on grandkid gifts already. Like (laughs) he works that far ahead, like ten years down the road, he already has them planned out. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure. Already been working on them. Yep. I'm working on a router table for a video project for YouTube, and it was one that Chris Fitch did, and I have, and I liked it because it has a little style to it because Chris added these cool flared legs to it. Mm-hmm. Put a link to the plan on the show notes page. Um, and then painted it. So I have that put together. Mo- or I got started on the top for filming this week and used a copper kind of metallic laminate, which is kind of one of those chameleon colors because from a distance, like Logan said, it just looks like lacquered particle board to a certain extent. But then also uh, uh, I've had to do some modifications to it just because I can't leave well enough alone. So I added a power switch, which wasn't on the original plan and uh, the shop made router lift that Chris designed. So in order to accommodate that, I, mounted the router off center, which is going to bother people that (laughs) like things super symmetrical. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at you, Brian Nelson. Uh, So anyway, it's been a really fun project because I still like that design, but I also think it's really uh, adaptable to mix it up for how you want to do your own woodworking. Yeah. So, and then I've also been working on it. Stuff in I keep a, a number of tools here that are my own, just because they're I do personal projects here and I just like to have my own tools. And some of them that I've been using recently have been a couple of wood-bodied planes, and I've just really been appreciate appreciating those uh, these last few weeks. So Shop Notes did this kind of plane. I'm showing it up for all the people who are watching on the radio and it's in shape. It's got kind of the styling of a Krenov style plane. However, we used a Hawk blade in it and attached it with a um, socket head cap screw uh, through the bottom. So to release the plane, you have to use an Allen wrench, but you can still adjust it with a mallet and a hammer so it works really well and i just like the size and the shape of it it's very comfortable to use whether it's one-handed or two-handed and being wood-bodied has a nice light weight to it 
So I've really appreciated that fact. And then I've talked about this one in the past, also the Japanese plane that's traveled around to different people in this. And I just decided that I was going to use it and figure it out. And we've kind of come to know each other a little bit better. And uh, it's been really fun, fun to work with and, and get better at using it. So let me ask you this. Okay. When it comes to a hand tool. Yeah. Do you prefer a heavier or a lighter hand tool? Just in general, think of a saw, think of a hand plane. Uh, I would say in general, I prefer lighter. Interesting. I prefer heavier. Based on my work habits recently and as I've developed, I have a, I have an affinity for smaller hand tools too, even though Mm -hmm. that's, um, I mean, not technically correct or whatever. Now I will say that I have my number seven jointer over here too. And (laughs) I do love that thing. It's, uh, and that's a metal bodied plane. Uh, I almost hate to admit the fact that I do like the wood bodied planes because there are very parochial kind of folk on the internet that are like, you got to use wood bodied hand planes. Otherwise you're not even really using hand tools. And you know, this is the, you know, this connection to our past is whatever. Who are you talking about, Phil? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know who you um, are. Yeah. Uh, see, and it's funny because I prefer the heavier tools and and I this is something I thought about when I was at AWFS too because um Bridge City just released their foxtail plane. It is okay. like their um HP six, which is their changeable soul plane, but it's just it's larger. It weighs one metric ton, I think. And <laughs> they're from China, so they use metric the metric system. So I think that was right. an accurate measurement. But in general, I like a heavier tool because I feel like it does a little bit more of the work for me. So I'm not pushing down as hard with a metal body plane because it's, yeah. it's metal. It has weight to it. Um, same thing with a saw. Although I do have that saw from Dave Jensky, his new design, who oh, woodpeckers yeah. milled the parts for. Interesting. Um, and it is very light. So oh, yeah. little, yeah, little different. And my new concept saw is a little light too, but in general, I think I prefer a heavier hand tool. Yeah. Cause I do have a block plane, the, um, Damascus steel block plane that we did for shop notes. I made a version of that mm-hmm. and I really like that plane a lot. And, um, it's heavy. I also, I also got the infill smoothing plane that we did that was steel bodied and that one's heavy also. And I do enjoy using it, but you know, like last year I made that wood bodied razy style plane, kind of like yeah. that. Um, uh, who's Pierce. the one there you go. Cecil Pierce yeah. one. And that one I like so much that I ended up giving you that my other number five, just because it, this, this wood one just does everything that I need it to. And it, feels comfortable and is much lighter and yeah you know there is a metal using metal planes has a different feel than wood planes and sometimes i just like the way a a wood-bodied plane 
glides across the workpiece differently than a, a metal body plane glides across a workpiece. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. So. So there you are. All right. Now, one thing that I wanted to do was to do the announce a winner for our Red Cedar Challenge. So for those who haven't been listening to the podcast recently, uh, we did a throwdown for the fact that Red Cedar is hideous and is often used as outdoor furniture or um, blanket chests and lining closets and all that sort of stuff. The implication was Eastern Red Cedar. Eastern Red Cedar, correct. I think most people took us up on Western Red Cedar, too, which is a nice wood. Yeah. So that's fine. And for all the people who haven't been listening, yes, we know Eastern Red Cedar is technically a juniper. We know. So we had some folk send in their projects for what uh, they think could be done with Eastern Red Cedar cedar and I sent out a link earlier to you guys for which project you preferred and what do you what are we going to announce here (laughs) drum roll please drum roll (laughs) are we voting or yeah we're voting right now it's live I I really thought the the outdoor patio furniture looked yeah. Look nice. It's okay. classily done. They're all they're all nice projects, but that's what my Did we decide that was Western red though? I don't no, know. No, he actually wrote back in after we and said it was Eastern featured that because we mm-hmm. thought that it might be Eastern. Okay. And it actually is all or that might be Western red cedar, but it actually is Eastern red cedar. Okay. Dwayne Clonch. Okay, I'm I'm gonna my pony in this race is going to be the doll soul sarcophagus. Okay. <laughs> By... Just because it's the least cedary out of them all. Yeah. <laughs> the I least thought, cedary. I thought you were gonna go with the bowls, the turned bowls. No, I know. No. Nope. No. Nope. Nope, sorry. Okay. Alright, so we're gonna have uh Dwayne and Ryan uh, will be our winners, and we'll send you guys, get in contact with you, get your addresses, and send you a special, special treat from the Woodsmith and popular woodworking folk here for uh, taking us up on the Eastern Red Cedar Challenge. So, It's a large I'll- box of raisins. <laughs> <laughs> I-, I was going to say it was going to be a... Uh, Tarja box of raisins yeah. done there by Phil. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. An intarja red cedar pattern. Mm-hmm. So there you go. All right. So I'll put a link to those uh, projects again on the show notes page and we can, so you can see what those are and then uh, send out those, those awards. Um, otherwise I think that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. And if you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, you can leave them on our YouTube channel where you can see all the other offerings from Woodsmith Magazine. Um, We'll also have a link there to a free plan for a 
scraper shave project that we featured in the current season of the TV show. So you can find a link to those plans. It's a scraper shave designed by our very own Chris Fitch and comes in really handy for smoothing and shaping curved surfaces. I've made one and used one in my shop for quite a long time. I also want to thank Tightbond for sponsoring today's episode of the Shop Notes podcast. They make a whole range of glues that will cover all your needs from exterior glues to uh, Mark Hopkins, our shop manager's favorite glue speed set, where it uh, lets you put together a project really quickly and easily. My favorite, and I will, if I can dare speak for Logan as well, is the liquid hide glue. Um, We love those bottles of brown goo to assemble all kinds of our projects. And uh, with Titebond 3 probably is a close second for me. It's always good stuff. So thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next week on the Shop Notes podcast. Bye.